welcome to the Music Business Podcast with me, Steve Spotlight, where we give you tips, advice, strategies, how-tos with some very key interviews with music business professionals, other artists, managers, agents, name it, where they share their insights, knowledge on being successful in today's ever-changing music industry so you can have an actionable roadmap on achieving your dreams and being successful, learn so that you can earn. On this first episode, I have with me Uncle Ade. He's a mentor of mine for over like 12 years. And sorry about the volume and the levels of the first podcast. It's the first one. And it's also such an insightful podcast. I'm a bit long, so we have to split it into two different episodes. So this is the first episode. He's one of the best vocal coaches that I know. Um, this episode is about vocal training, the importance of understanding how to use your tool, which is also be your income earner, which is your voice. And we're going to talk about different aspects of vocal training as well as songwriting in this episode. And I'm going to pretty much let, I don't think I can do any justice in, in regards to this introduction, but I'm going to let AKA Uncle Ade, as I know him, give us a little bit of intro into who he is, what he does, and how he really got into this business. Welcome Uncle Ade. Glad and thank you so very much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, it's an honour to be invited to um, contribute to this, and I hope that many people listen to it, and it, um, it inspires and encourages many people to better their craft. Um, as Stephen said, my name is Uncle Ade, um, also known as The Voice Coach, so if you look for any, me on any social media, you'll see me everywhere on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, as The Voice Coach UK. Um, and what I primarily do now is voice coaching and artist development. Um, but I cover a wide, a broad spectrum of disciplines within the music industry. Um, as a vocal coach, I've taught the likes of Kelly LaRock, uh, MOBA award winner, Alison Brown, who is now the lead wow. in Hamilton. Um, Isaiah Raymond Dyer, who is a... Um, um, a MOBA award winner with the, the gospel group Raymond and & Co and yes, even yes. the one and only Shay Shay um, who is one of the top um, Afrobeat artists in Nigeria right now so oh, yes um, you, you did you did um, coach Shay Shay my I, word I, I did yeah, I did indeed yeah uh, you know it's like they just keep coming out they popping out of the woodwork and you and you never really know when you when you you're coaching someone where they're going to get to or if they're ever going to do anything and it was interesting just the other day I was in the car with my daughter who's who's a dancer and a um a dance tutor and we were talking about the good old days when she used to I used to run a a Saturday school for young children and she was talking about when she used to go and how she thought she was really great at singing shackles which is one of the songs I I give them to study and then she said I said wait a minute, you used to come there with a little girl, one of your friends, right? She said, yeah, Nicole. I said, okay, how is she? She said, she's actually the lead singer in Broadway of Dreamgirls now. I said, are wow. you serious? <laughs> so it's like, like literally you never really know. So, I mean, and aside from that, um, I have consulted and mentored many business practitioners because I also, as an educator teach on a BA um, commercial music course um, and also have taught on a music management course 
at City University. Yeah, that, um, that is actually how we met, wasn't exactly, it? Exactly, exactly, um, exactly. University for a management course. Exactly, yeah, precisely. And that's one of the beauty, one of the beautiful things about teaching um, or being in education is that you meet people who become colleagues and friends. And it, it's, it greatly benefits your own career and your own network because you have a a different, more unique type of relationship with people who are um, aspiring practitioners at one minute and the next minute they're making real moves and real waves in the industry. So you're always able to call on people to continue to develop networks, to, to introduce someone who is aspiring to someone who you, who you taught five years or ten years before and build up relationships with those people so that they can benefit each other and evolve, you know, so... I think you're, you're so right, because a lot of people in the industry forget how that relationship, our industry is built on relationships, and those relationships are formed at the, at the least places that you do not expect, and it's also how do you nourish those relationships, how do you carry it going, because somebody that you could have met at some showcase, at a course like we did, in the next 20 years, you could end up calling on a favor, and that person can be the connect that connects you to, you never know, to the big break that Precisely. you're waiting for. I always tell people two things. First of all, this industry is about people. If you, if you can get on with people, you'll get on in this industry. Um, and maintain your relationships. Leave people with good impressions of you. Like I said before, I've taught the likes of um, Cheshire when she was a teenager and because of the impression that I made upon her when she was a teenager and and different phases that I've seen her in her career when now that she's successful we still have a relationship we can still communicate and she still acknowledges that kind of contribution that I made to her career the same with Harmony who again another Nigerian musician who is a top practitioner like um again from he was like 1920 i've known him been um introducing different artists and different people to him and as his career has grown like i mean he's got a number like a like a, he had a number one with janet jackson just a few weeks ago and we oh, still engage yeah yes <laughs> yeah that's a that's a harmony production are you serious yeah, with Daddy. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Harmony. With Daddy Yankee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my word. Yeah. Oh, so my and word. and you know what's really funny about that as well because I got married recently and unbeknown to me, two of the songs on in our wedding playlist are Harmony produced tracks. So I will first <laughs> our our first dance was to um, John Major. This is why I love you. And the song that we danced in the procession to, which is When Jesus Say Yes, which is um, Michelle Williams, was also produced by Harmony. Wow. So it's like, wow. it, yeah, exactly. So it's like I say, it's like literally your relationships are at the forefront of everything that you do in this industry. And even though I, I'm not really active as a music business practitioner, I don't actively seek to do deals and all that kind of stuff. My relationships still facilitate me being able to introduce people now. And I have really slipped into that kingmaker role that I've always 
um, had on a back burner kind of thing. So it's been crucially important in terms of what I do. And and I just, again, like I say, I always teach relationships are the most important thing. They say it's, it's, um, it's um, who you know and what you know. And I say it's not just who you know and what you know, it's what you do with who you know and what you know. And I think just adjusting your mindset to that degree will facilitate the kind of growth that you wouldn't get otherwise. And it's really important to understand those things. So yeah, um, and aside from the uh, vocal production and networking and kingmaking, I also have in the past been a music manager. I've managed artists, I've managed writers, I've managed producers. Um, I guess the most successful um, project was I used to manage a production group called the Baker Boys, who had a yeah they had a track on Rihanna's um, unapologetic album which was called What Now, um, but also at the same time I had a production or writing team called the Pop Monsters, who had a song on um, on um, Re- um, it wasn't Xavier Naidoo's album but it was Xavier Naidoo's project for the voice of Germany and Xavier Naidoo is like the biggest selling artist in Germany like every time he releases a record it's gonna it's gonna do in the millions so and that's also an important part of it is understanding that different markets and and different relationships in different markets will open up all kinds of doors those are tracks that I placed in Germany that no one is even looking at the German market like from the UK we're only interested in the UK so it's like being able to understand that relationships wherever you are are important and again if it not for the teaching the opportunity to go into work to Germany to teach opened up whole other number of doors that I never expected so I've had a really um, a really um, blessed career and it still continues to be blessed. Yeah, awesome. I guess that, that's an awesome introduction into who you are, what you've done, and just the impact it shows um, that you can you can have by just connecting with, with artists and understanding that relationships can go a long way, even though you might not, like you said, be a business practitioner in the sense, but because of the individuals that you know, you're always able to still connect dots. Mm-hmm. Somebody has always told me, the reason why I always went into management was because you always wanted, to, always wanted to be a bridge. And somebody said, a bridge is an individual that connects people from one place to the other. You yeah. might forget who works across the bridge, but nobody ever forgets that the, the bridge, bridge is there. Absolutely. And the, bridge, the importance of that bridge. Absolutely. Itself. So, and I think that's the role you definitely always kind of play. Uh, so, what I'm, I'm going to go now straight into a couple of questions just from, because you're, you're a vocal coach and you're one of the most gifted and talented vocal coaches that I know, beyond you being a Educator, do you think that to this in today's technological age, artists still need to focus on their vocal abilities when they feel that they can just go into a studio, a producer can easily alter it or make it sound better? Do you think that it's still that important to artists to focus on their vocal abilities? Okay, fortunately, technology can only do so much, right? And I say fortunately because if it was even more advanced then people would be able to come into the studio without being able to sing at all. And we'd be in a whole different environment right now. Now, when we talk about singing, let's put it in context first. There are people who know how to use their voice to produce sound. And there are people who really can sing. I'm 
I'm about the people who really can sing. Do you understand? So um, I'm passionate and I'm an, I'm like a, I'm an artistic type about music and singing. If you can't sing, I, I don't, I can't embrace the idea of you being able to make a sound and go making a bunch of money over someone who's really worked on their craft, who really can sing and is not getting the opportunities because they don't look right or because they don't have the right kind of um, styling or whatever. So singing in context with being able to really use your voice as an instrument and use it to a very high degree, yeah? I must also add in that, that um, not only am I a vocal coach, I'm, I'm actually an, uh, like a, <clears throat> a retired singer. Yeah. Of no, some yeah, sort, and have and and I've actually had singing teachers in the past who who weren't singers who couldn't sing, and so it's really important that you have the same kind of empathy with them of being able of having to be able to develop your voice, study the things that your voice can cannot do, um, and um, uh, and develop the kind of disciplines that you need in order to sing well now but going back to your question um i think that aside from singing and putting down a decent vocal in the studio a lot more emphasis has gone into um touring as a revenue stream so, so live, live right is a big one. a lot of artists don't realize that that's a really that's really right a butter. So, so if you can't sing well live People are very unforgiving in that respect. You know what I mean? It's like we are really unforgiving in that respect. If you can't sing live, that will really come back to bite you as soon as you get on stage. If you mime, if you sing off key and all kind of stuff, it will come back to bite you. I remember there's a there was a um, a video going around two years ago of Mariah Carey who started to lose her voice, um, and the joy that people took in the great pleasure they took in hearing her sing so badly on one of her classic songs. Now, that wasn't so much about her not being able to sing, but that's about her not maintaining her health and maintaining her voice. So it's also important to do those things because once you can sing, if you don't keep it up, it will leave you and you will be there just with your... um, Exactly, precisely. And again, God 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 bless her soul. The same thing with Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston was among the most phenomenal singers in her prime. But when she started to abuse her health and abuse her body, the voice left her. But it just gives you the insight and the understanding of how important it is to maintain your voice, but specifically with relation to live performance. Because you can go into the studio and record a song like 8, 9, 10, 20, 30, 40 times to get the right vocal and it can be cut up and comped together so that you get one great performance. But you've then got to go and do that on stage every night for like sort of a, a 60 day tour. So and then, then you'll not be able to perform if you're going to do... Even, even if you do multiple cities and multiple nights, that is definitely going to take its, um, its strength on, on your vocals. Listen, it's if you if you if you're doing like a a ninety minute set, three nights on the trot, your voice could be gone. Yeah, 
If you're not using your voice properly, it could be gone. You've had artists who have had to take break, career breaks because of nodules, because they're not singing correctly, they're not using the right voice, they're not using the right um, vocal support, like in terms of their breathing technique and all kind of stuff. So if you don't use your voice properly, it will it will um, compromise your singing ability. Definitely. Wow. Wow. That's the always be practical in regards to um, telling artists what they can actually do. What three things could you tell each artist to do right away that can that they can literally see improvement in their vocal strength or have a stronger voice? What would you recommend? Like, if, if it could be three most important things, what would you just tell each artist that, okay, you need to be doing this on a regular basis, on a daily basis, to just give you a stronger or strengthen your voice and just make you a better performer. Okay, cool. So that's a that question is relative to the individual. So I have um, clients who are at all different levels in terms of their abilities and so on and so forth. Now, you might have had someone who's really quite advanced in their vocal control and their actual execution, but may have be lacking in some very basic technique that can improve their stamina, improve their ability to sing three nights on a, on a trot and so on and so forth. And then you've got people who are very, very um, naive in what they have technically, but who um, then you would do more training and give them the basics as well. But the, the intermediary and like, oh, an artist has just been a very studio-based artist and he's never had no kind of vocal training at all. So that has a little bit, and you have an artist that you know they've had regular, but you know they want to still you know, carry on being being better. So one for each. Okay, cool. So for the beginner, fundamentals there are two: breathing technique, okay. which you have your like your your breathing technique your snatch breath and your breathing connection. Those fundamentals are absolutely essential. Having a great capacity. Sorry, one more time. Okay, so breathing technique is your 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 foundation to your breathing. That's your correct um, intake and control of the air when you sing. A snatch breath is a modification of the breathing technique, which is just when you have like very short spaces between phrases and very short amounts of time to take a breath. So instead of taking your normal relaxed breath, you take a snatch breath. And a breathing connection, <laughs> um, and a breathing connection again is a modification of the breathing technique, except for it's for the points where the song has got it requires real power, is a higher note in the scale or a lower note in the scale, and you use your your breathing stomach muscles to connect the the uh, muscles to take all of the strain away from your your throat. So you use those three techniques as part of your staple. Um, for singing and you plot out your breathing according to the song and what its requirements are so I never go into a song not knowing my breathing plan it's absolutely essential yeah Um, so next a breathing technique if you're going on to the next level as I said to you voice relaxation is also really important now again the person who works in the studio and has never really sung um, also may not have good voice relaxation. And I, I use a technique that I call resonance, which is literally singing 
with a with a a, a technique which requires eighty percent voice and twenty percent air, and it's essentially just adding a H into your pronunciation. So when you hear my voice, even when I'm speaking, I speak with an open and relaxed texture. Yeah, so you'll always hear the air come out. So it sounds like someone's whispering. So if you listen to particularly someone like Mariah Carey, Brian yeah. McKnight, um, um, Whitney Houston, all the likes, when they're singing, if you've got good ears, you'll hear them singing. It sounds like someone's whispering in the background. So that's the re- that's the resonance that you get in the vocal. Yeah, so that's also really important to both um, beginners and people who have been singing for a while because they don't necessarily know that. Now, the other real fundamental is what I call and what I've developed, which is what I call the vowel passage development. You can't really control resonance without controlling the vowel passage development. They go hand in hand and you can't really control the vowel passage development without controlling resonance. And effectively, we have to understand that the way that the voice works for speech and for singing it's essentially, unless you can, you, you're only creating sound when you produce the five vowels, A, E, I, O, and U. So everything else that you do with the lips and teeth requires either, it, it either begins with or ends with the sound of the vowel. And you produce the other parts with your lips and teeth. So T, it's, there's no noise, there's no, nothing comes from the throat when you say T, it's the E that comes out afterwards, yeah? And if you look at, for example, K, it's the same thing, or F begins in, in an E. So you're only interested in the five vowels. If you control those, coupled with resonance, you have the secret to unlocking the door that will mean you'll be able to sing with a relaxed voice from the bottom of your range all the way up to the top. So like I said, it's a, it's a technique that I use called the vowel passive development, which is about warming up your voice, going through the scales um, and going through the scales using the five vowels, A, E, I, O, U, on every single note. So that you're used to shaping your throat muscles to any vowel that you will need at any position in your range. Yeah. And if you can work the the vowel pass development it will give you much more um, dexterity in your voice much more fluidity much more control and much more versatility so being able to move from one tone to another whereas maybe before without appreciating how important vowels are to your sound you may not be able to produce different tone right so I've I've given you more than the three but the next one on from that for the really advanced singer is the tone um, plate is the tone creation. So you have different types of singers who give you different um, feels and different sounds. Yeah, and I identify them as in in four main areas: bright, middle, bass, and falsetto. Yeah, um, and falsetto singers are the singers who, like the male singers, are like your Maxwells. Um, and Daniel Caesars, um, D'Angelo's of this world, yeah? Your bright tone singers are your um, Luther Vandross, your um, Brian McKnight, um, and vocalists of that like. In females, your bright tone singers are your, your, your 
Whitney Houston's and your Mariah Carey's. In falsetto, you're talking about Aretha Franklin. Um, who else? Um, what do you call it? Uh, well, uh, Fantasia. Fantasia. Yeah. Um, in your midtone, you're talking about females. Regina Bell, for example, or a classic midtone would be Anita Baker. In the bass tone, where you get the real gravel and the real grit and the real emotion in the voice, you got somebody like a Teddy Pendergrass or a Jaheem. And now you have some singers who will be able to sing using all four tones, and that's a rarity. You know what I mean? And then you'll get most singers who will stick to one, maybe slide into a second one. But that's where you get the colour in a song. So when you hear a uh, an Aretha Franklin, she covers the whole gambit. Bright, middle bass, falsetto. And so the colour and the variation, what she can do, means that she can bring a song to life. And she's painting with such clarity that each one of those tones becomes important to that. It's like painting a picture um, and only having browns and different shades of brown. Yeah? And actually, interesting enough, that's how when I'm planning out a song, I use colours for the different tones. So if you say, for instance, brown is bass tone um, and blue is mid-tone and yellow is bright tone and red is falsetto, and you use those colours to, to, to paint the picture, to give your picture um, light, shades, contrast and all that kind of stuff. You're now painting something that is very uh, technicoloured. Full of black. So, as, so you're saying as a singer, you're not only just writing and singing a song. You're really trying to immerse someone into the world and really give them a very vivid picture of just doing that. That's a singer's job, period. That's a singer's job. It's like, think about it like this. Every song lyric, if it's a, if it, particularly if it's a soul or gospel song, has a deep meaning. But also, it has different meanings to different listeners. But in order for them to get something from it, the singer has to capture the essence of the song. Now, if we think about an actor on TV, they can see everything. They see the facial expressions, the hand gestures, the body language, everything, right? And you have different levels of actors. So you have the actor that will be on something like EastEnders. And then you have the actor who wins Grammy Awards. Do you know what I mean? And the difference between the EastEnders actor and like a Tom Hardy, who is so versatile, um, that's what they have. They have all of those things at their disposal. The singer has their voice and the emotion that they have in it. You don't see their facial expressions until they're on stage. You don't see their body language until they're on stage. So you're only relying on those colours. So it's really important to understand how much you have to do with the voice. I think a lot of a lot of um, singers or a lot of even artists, not even just singers, but I think that also falls within rappers as well. They're underestimating Most definitely. The, the power that their voice is able to communicate. Most song, definitely. Most by definitely. how that song is sang or the different levels or they're able to kind of paint because your, your vocal cord is your paintbrush, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're painting exactly. on, in the record. Exactly. Uh, I think a lot of people need to definitely go back to the drawing board because <laughs> I would, most likely it will help 
will help the reader understand why this is important across different um, genres of music. Depending, the next question is, do you think depending on what genre of music an artist is in, you need to have different vocal ability levels? E.g., does a grammar artist really need to focus on how vocally good they are or like an Afrobeat type artist compared to like an R&B artist? You know, do you think everyone should still practice to the same level or hmm. each one depends because they have a you know what, what is your own understanding of you know it, that, that that's a really interesting question because i've been giving that a lot of thought recently um i teach privately i also um have video tutorials that i that are available online and i also do artist development um and in looking at um, doing residentials and stuff and thinking about the way in which the, the music has evolved over the last five years in terms of the charts um, and in thinking about the way in which that is influencing the next aspiring artist and, um, and if we think about the way in which I think that singing has and rapping has been somewhat dumbed down you understand? So the amount of um, versatility, the amount of variation in a song is much less apparent now than it was with songs from the heyday of Whitney Houston and Aretha Franklin and all those people. So, uh, uh, um, so you don't have to have the same skill set now. Having said that, um, it is apparent to me that people like Ella May and um, her and those type of singers who are doing very relaxed and easy um, laid back vocal type songs, there's rarely a really powerful moment in a song anymore. But their, their skill sets always also already tell me that they have practiced their art. So if I would argue that if they were asked to do something like that, they probably could because they've been inspired and been influenced by those singers. The issue is, is that the next generation of singers who won't know Aretha and Whitney and all that kind of stuff and have listened to the singing that's around now, will they be infused enough to really go back to the greats, to really understand their instrument, or will they just think that this is the norm and that therefore they only have to practice to that? I'll take it even deeper than that. So we talk about her and um, Ella May and all those type of artists, um, but if we think about the UK grime scene or whatever you want to call it, another Afrobeat scene, let's say, uh, and this is not to be um, negative towards anything that is happening now in the scene, but some of the song, some of the songs that are out and they're what we would call consider singing is like they don't they don't ever come out of second gear so i don't want to sing no beef i don't want to yeah those type of songs i don't want to bed no beef i don't want to saw it out i don't want to you would consider that to be singing but the 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 amount of their vocal capacity they use is so limited that if another person who is inspired by that wants to sing and that's what their 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 benchmark is they'll limit their voices to like the most basic control do you know what i mean so but by 
by that definition also, those people who do sing like that, when they go on tour, they won't have the same kind of issues performing at all because they don't really have to do anything. It's very easy work, really. But 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 then, but then also saying that, I think, doesn't that now also lie with people within the industry, such as yourself, such as myself as managers, or such as like a producer, knowing that, okay, if as an artist, you can you have to keep on growing and you have, you have to keep on pushing yourself, creativity, um, creativity-wise. So if, for example, I'm Elton John, I just to come and jump on a record, or... Uh, I don't know, John, John Legend. John Legend. dropping a record. Are you going to still use, although he's asking to come on the record because of who you are, but then how would you know how great you can be if you keep on staying in a very comfortable position that you're in? Greatness can never be achieved by you being comfortable. No, being exactly. In the same position. So isn't that also on, if the, the artists coming through don't know no better, our responsibility as individuals and professionals within the music industry to make sure that the core essential of what makes a great singer or great, a great artist vocally is still part of that and also keep on reminding them like okay listen are you doing your vocal lessons are you man, who's your vocal teacher have you gone ahead and done you know and that, as you said that's part of artist development and yeah. a lot of people say that artist is being lost now but we should also bear in mind that singers successful singers are not just singers who record records. True. There are singers who make a career out of touring as backing singers. There are singers who make a career out of doing weddings and funerals and all that kind of stuff. And I can guarantee you the kind of repertoire that they sing are the classics. They're not going to be singing I Don't Want a Dead Though Beef. Do you understand? So, so of course, if you're a singer and if you're an artist, then, of course you need to be trained to that level. That's, that goes without saying. Um, and also, I might also add, in answer to the question about whether or not we have a responsibility, that is this. You can't come to a lesson with me without expecting to learn the fundamentals of singing and learn as much as you can about your voice. You might be able to buy one of my tutorials but you won't be able to have private lessons with me if you don't have a hunger for it. All right, well, definitely. Actually, I saw what you mean. So definitely, the honest is definitely on the artist themselves to want to be better and to want to develop and make... Because obviously, I think you're also now looking at the artist and listen, you you have to look at your, at your craft as this is your craft and this is what I do. And I want to be the best that I can be in this craft and I'm willing to push myself and do everything I'm, I'm willing to study because it is it is like going to the gym vocally so you have to be willing to put in the work look mm-hmm. vocally make sure that you're better on to a high to a higher standard um than you are and I, I guess you can't we, if everybody is on the same level you also want to do you also want to be higher and better than they are so are you willing to do what nobody else is, is correct doing? correct you know what I mean which I guess that is one area that a lot of our artists are not doing now Mm-hmm. And your thing, like you said, I'm keeping the same tone, it's making me records and making me money now, and that's it. Then, but what happens five years, ten years at the time? What happens when somebody says, Oh, we've got a war tour for you, or we've got a, a tour just around the UK, for example? Can you actually last, you know, more than two, three different cities? And without you, you know, having to go and think, you know what, on the third night, 
your vocally your, your voice is sore and you have to go to the hospital you know because i mean you've had a couple of artists that they would train singers that have had all kind of issues with their vocal cords mm. and even, and this is people that actually have you know they've had some kind of training but even yeah. with that because of how much they push their voices yeah um it's affected their vocal cords yeah uh, so i think uh like, no, I think you're right. You, there's only so much you can push the artists, but they also have to want to know um, that it is essential for them to vocally become better and become stronger. Add in there before we go to that one. I have a golden rule as far as singers and managers concerned. If okay. a manager, if a manager pro- approaches me to bring one of their singers to lessons, I insist that the artist is the one that pays for them. Interesting. Why, 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 would, why would you say that? Because if they don't, if then if they're serious about it, they'll pay for it. If they if someone else is paying for it, it's they don't feel anything. They don't suffer that coming out of their pocket and paying that money to do the work that goes in a, in accordance with that. So if a, if an artist doesn't pay for it himself directly, I won't take a client. I would definitely pass that on to a lot of managers. So right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right, because then as an artist, if you're, because that's also part of investing in yourself and investing yeah. in your ability. Who are your three top vocal powerhouses and why do you rate them so high? Ah, uh, man, there's not three. Let me show the couple. There's not three. 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 Listen, you have to. I just want to know what your opinion are. Or you could do it by, okay, you could do it by, I guess, time frame or time period. Okay, Here's, let me start with a disclaimer. There is not three, and it wouldn't be possible for me to justifiably give three singers because there'd be so many singers that would be left out in the in the dark who are deserved of that. So, okay, three, three right now, just give me three. Not talking top three, just give me three that you Okay, cool. So, so, fundamentally, Luther's got to be there every day. Every day, every day, yeah. First, first one out because I mean, first of all, Luther was the person who inspired me to sing, and as a singer, he was such a purist technician. His control, his light and shade, and the emotion that he was able to um, inject into a song, but more importantly. The way that he would cover classics and make it another level classic, no one else is able to do. That's hard to do, making a classic and another Oh, classic. come on. <laughs> come on. He, no one's able to do the way that he interprets the song. So in his heyday, Luther, like, no one could touch him. You know what, what I mean? One song that he did that you think is just up there. The song that you, like, that one... Again, you're making it very hard to even have a conversation about this stuff. Um, again, another disclaimer. Actually, at this moment in time, um, a house is not a home is a classic. Period. Classic. One of the finest moments on record. And I think that that's. I actually have a. I'm starting a blog on my um, on my um, on my social media channels. And it will be based on the greatest singers and it will come with a uh, like a kind of evaluation of their greatest attributes, whether it be vocal attributes, their best 
moment on record, their defining moment on record or their breakthroughs record. You know what I mean? So different categories. So like again, for a Luther Vandross, my great, my favorite record might be uh, a house is not a home, but then his greatest vocal performance might be something else. You know what I mean? So there are uh, like at least three or four different records that you can choose from. So that's a very tough ask. It really is. Give us a sample of that. Let's see. How does it go? Of what, sorry? The Luther Vandross um, song, House of Love. Give us a sample of it. Actually, that's really interesting when you say that. I was about to do a different song because another song comes to me more immediately as a vocal intro because The House Is Not A Home is a very long intro. It's got a very long intro. A chair is still a chair, even when there's no one sitting there, and so on and so forth. Yeah, but the one that I was going to sing, which came always comes to my head, there's another one that goes, Don't you remember you told me you love me, baby? You said you'll be coming back this way again, baby. And so on and so forth. So those two songs are always go-tos as far as the sing-along factor. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, that's that's Luther in a nutshell. You can tell I'm heavily influenced by him. <laughs> and which one, people? That's one. No, we're both Luther. Yeah, both Luther. Yeah, oh, so. a house is not a home and superstar till you come back to me. Yeah, I need another. I need another artist. Oh, another two artists. Okay, so um, if I stick to singers who have profoundly impacted upon me, and I won't go, I won't go typical. I'll for different reasons, right? Okay. So Luther is the the singer, the interpretation, the emotional, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Prince. Prince? Yeah. And, and why again? Because he's just an all-round and he's such a fantastic songwriter. Okay. So when he, when he did a song, like no two Prince songs are ever the same. No two Prince songs are ever the same. And he was able to interpret and capture the essence of so many different styles of singing. You can't do that unless you really understand your instrument. So you can go from something like um, When Doves Cry, for example. Yeah. Oh, right? The vocal performance in that is phenomenal. And there's the other one which everybody covers, which is the one that Sinead O'Connor covered, which is um, Nothing Compares to You. Right? Oh, oh yeah. That, oh, oh. Right? Was that Yeah. Prince wrote that. Yep. Wow. And then you've got something like Darling Nikki wow. or Let's Go Crazy, which like if you if you, and, and you're, other people may not know these songs, but if you go find those songs, you'll see how different they are and how he's able to capture the essence of each one of them. Darling Nikki, I won't do because it's it's got it's a bit um, suggestive, sexual. <laughs> but but the lyrical content and the way that he narrates the story 
it takes a really a real skill set to do that. So Prince, I put in there. Not there. There are other singers that are amazing, but if we're talking about giving you some kind of idea of the landscape for singing styles and stuff, Prince has got. A, he, he he has his own lane. He has his own space in there. What 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 do you think made him so? How do you think he developed to be such a great? Do you think it was a natural, um, gifted ability, or is it something that you think he trained? Um, because I think for my numbers, with no Prince, he's always just been gifted. Prince um, is Prince is what we call a freak of nature. Okay. Okay. He, he can play everything to a standard that is better than most, better than most of his peers. He can play everything. He also produces, he also mix engineers, and he can sing better than most. So he's a freak of nature, to the point that what he can do, you can't teach. You know what I mean? When I talk about the versatility for one song to the next, that's something that you understand the essence of a song. And there's something else that's really important here that might, it's not, it's kind of it's slightly off subject, but it's really important in terms of understanding the, the, um, the, the, the approach to singing. Singing is about two things. It's about structure and purpose. Many people forget the the purpose. Purpose helps underline the emotion that you want to capture. Exactly. And if you don't understand the relationship between the structure and the purpose, and I mean line by line, section by section, if you don't understand that, you can't truly um, capture the essence of the song in the most efficient and effective manner. So you'll get some singers who sing these wailing, wailing, wailing intros and they've given everything they've got at the beginning and now you've lost interest because they've got nowhere to go. Yeah? Yeah. So understanding the purpose of each section is essential. So so there's a lot of studying that an artist has to really do or (laughs) if you're really going to be at the top of your game... Because yeah. just even understand, like I think it's it's awesome the way you you mentioned the purpose of a song, because the that itself even you thinking about it and how you're gonna deliver it makes a big difference on you know on the execution of the song. Just you know, if you thought about those two, those, those I mean, they're two simple things, but there's so much depth to them in itself, the structure and um, the purpose of a song. I think a lot of artists just would write stuff. I mean, now would most likely just write stuff on a pad or on their phone and just go and deliver it without thinking um, that you know how am I supposed to really deliver the song? How am I supposed to capture the emotions of the song? And they think because they've written it, they can just deliver it and you know walk out of the booth and yeah, mm-hmm, we'll mm-hmm. put a hit on our head. I'll, I'll go one de- I'll, I'll go one better than that. People who sing cover versions of those songs have no insight or don't have any appreciation of the purpose of the song and then go and do a performance like on shows like X Factor, um, um, what, what's the other one um, in America? We have to stop right there. That was the first half of the first episode and the next half of this first extremely detailed and... Just so much nuggets and so much value is coming up next. Thank you so very much for staying locked in. Definitely don't miss part two of this episode with Uncle Addy.